just so we're clear, the issue of religious freedom is one of those subjects that I don't need a script for, but I do need one if I'm going to finish on time. So that's why there's a manuscript up there. Um, I've been in more than one country attending religious of reli freedom of religion conferences in countries in which freedom of religion meant do what we say, and if you don't do what we say, we will kill you. I've been in countries and stood next to people who said, we think people should have the freedom to worship the way they choose, and because those people were nationals, they were killed by the people of that country standing literally right next to me. This might be a hot-button subject for me. It might be the main reason I'm really Baptist. It might be the reason that I dislike it when Baptist churches take Baptist off the name, off their sign. So let me get this straight, just so we're clear on the facts on this nation that many people say was based upon Christianity, which it was not, but let's assume that that falsehood is true. Well, did... I wish I could do a Bernie Sanders imitation right now, I can't. Um, did Bernie just say that he was uncomfortable with someone saying that Islams don't know God and that they stand condemned, which is exactly what was written in the document by the person in question, and then declared that I couldn't vote for someone whose faith perspective says that Muslims are condemned? Yeah, he did. Did Jeff Sessions, listening to advice of theologically right, politically empowered people who he was winking to, if you want to find that video, before he says, as the Apostle Paul said, I can tell you who it was, but that's not the point of this, winking to them and saying, I will quote what they said. He takes Romans 13 out of context, he ignores Romans 12, and he ignores the fact that it was written when the time when the Romans did not enforce, did not enjoy Christianity, Unlike today, in which Christianity in many cases does get many rights and privileges in this country. Well, hold on. So, so the Congress is supposed to evaluate and give freedom of religion, but then they can't, they need to protect against Islamophobia and all this. But, but then they also can tell the Christians just to shut up and quit complaining about illegal immigrants and children. Wow, this seems difficult. It's because it is. Religious freedom, a principle that was created by Baptists, not the idea, but espoused in how we do it and how we do it and when we do it, is a Baptist principle. If it were not for Baptists, it would not exist. It would not exist if Thomas Helwes did not literally die to protect people who were Muslim, who were Jewish, who were Buddhist, who were all kinds of things. When he said to King James, we should be able to worship the way we think to. If Roger Williams and John Clark had not founded the first, first Baptist churches in the United States because they wanted to create a place for people to worship and choose to worship without any government involvement whatsoever. Which, by the way, by saying that in the time period in which they said that that was a scandalous and treasonous act that could have gotten their heads chopped off because that was the choice of method of killing people at the time. Roger Williams made it very, very clear that any forced worship, and forced worship is defined as the state attempting to promote any 
particular religious idea or practice, he declared that forced worship stinks in God's nostrils. He declared that Constantine the Great was one of the worst enemies of the spreading of Christianity ever. If you're not familiar with the history of Constantine, Constantine, for political reasons, completely for political reasons, decides to partner with the Christians and move together and they all go together. And why did he do that? Because the Christians were the majority in the Roman Empire. If he said, I'll be a Christian, they all followed. And from that time on, Christendom existed. In which we felt that being a follower of Jesus and being in charge of the government was our right ordained by God. Forced worship stinks in God's nostrils. I really wish I could read you Roger Williams' words, but he uses lots of words that are inappropriate. Because apparently he didn't know we can't use R-rated words in sermons. But trying to edit this very carefully. (laughs) He compares the state government that Constantine created to being worse than Nero. He compares anyone who compels belief in others as a violation of the soul. He uses a more violent felony offense word there. And he says the moral principles in Scripture, sure, they can inform civil magistrates. But that's not what they're there for. And any time that the government and religious groups partner together, historically it has not worked. He said that a long time ago, and it's still true. John Leland, a Baptist minister in the late 1700s in the United States, stood up and said, when at the risk of being killed by the government in which you romanticize about the founding fathers, said, we need to speak up for everyone, not just you, not just them, everyone. The reason you have the First Amendment, go ahead and put the First Amendment up. The First Amendment are the words of John Leland that were given to the Founding Fathers, a Baptist minister who could have died for having these words get put in. The Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment or religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now this sounds all nice. There's a trick. I'm a little more familiar with it currently because it's going to be in the news in a couple weeks when I get to escape to Florida. Sorry, I'm going to a conference. Um, Yeah, I will be for a week. It is really important, but yeah, I'm staying for longer. Um, In Orlando, there's currently a big debate about many of the public funds being pumped into scholarships for students only being used by private schools that have made religious stances that many people are uncomfortable with. In North Dakota, the Supreme Court is ruling and still ruling on the fact that religious schools get to take tax money and use them for that. Well, that seems reasonable, doesn't it? Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or the free exercise of it. In 2005... A seven-day Adventist man named Daryl Peterson was interviewed for a job to be training at Walgreens. Ironically, yes, you can see where my mind goes this week. This Walgreens was in Orlando. I know where it is. I've actually been to it. 
which now clues my wife who it is, because when we go to have cookies at our hotel, it's right near there. He was hired to be a trainer. And he said, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, and I don't want to work on Saturday. And they agreed to that. He said, for religious reasons, I don't work on Saturday. Six years later, after working one time he was told to work on a Saturday, he didn't show up. He was fired on a Monday. Court went to the highest law of the land, and the court ruled for him. Oh, not for him, for Walgreens. Because he was taking money from an organization. And if he wanted to make a religious stand, that was fine. But they didn't have to pay him. I distinctly remember, <laughs> vividly, when I was working at a church, and we were still doing these things called revivals. You've heard of them? It's a week-long revival, different speaker speaks, and the title was, Our Journey is Baptist Today. And I was writing a document and publishing something about first, in First Peter. And we will talk First Peter. Peter writes and talks about us being alien in a foreign land. And he's trying to encourage them because they've lost their jobs. They've lost their family. They've lost their status. They've lost everything. When you sing the words cornerstone, that's from First Peter 2. Because they have to remember that the cornerstone of their faith it's Jesus, because they got nothing else. Nothing. And you read in 1 Peter 2, you read that he tells them, I need you to act like you're aliens in the land, because you've chosen to be, because you've chosen to be followers of me. Or chose followers of Jesus. And so we were speaking about what that looks like. Well, a few days before that, there was some issue in Kentucky about a county clerk named Kim Davis. And a former supervisor of mine, I'm from Arkansas, that should narrow this down, a former supervisor of mine who's politically enforced in, didn't graduate from seminary, um, sorry, having attended that seminary, I couldn't help that, I'm sorry, God, um, suddenly made this a big public issue that a person working as a county clerk wanted to stand up for her religious values and not, which I respect, and not offer marriage licenses to people who are same-sex relationships. Now, since she was a part of a religious group that feels similar to many of the speakers who you see stand behind our current president when he needs things, believe in Christian dominionism, you can look that up later, in which the government is responsible for bringing in the kingdom of God. So she's responsible for bringing in the kingdom of God, so she can't do that. But she wants the government's money, she wants her $90,000 a year to do the opposite of what she's paid to do. That's not religious freedom, that's religious extortion. Well, but you shouldn't make her do something against her religious values, that doesn't seem fair. Okay. What if the clerk was an Anabaptist or a Quaker or a similar religious group and she refused to issue gun or concealed carry licenses because it was against her faith? You okay with it now? What if she was an Episcopal 
a strict Episcopal, and she decided on religious grounds not to honor any marriage licenses to couples that were not Episcopal, which does still happen in our country today. You still okay with it? Religious values? What about if the clerk was a devout Muslim and refused to grant licenses or health permits to any place that sold pork? You don't get any bacon. You know, bacon, the best vegetable ever invented? But she can't do that. I'm religious, but I'm standing for my religious values. Good. But why do you get the right to take the government's money too? What if the clerk refused to assemble a jury for a trial because she disagreed with the law on religious grounds, which has happened in the last four years in our country? What if the clerk disallowed all ballots of a certain race, sexual orientation, creed, or socioeconomic status after an election? Still okay with that? What if the clerk refused to issue a marriage license to an interracial couple or a previously divorced couple on religious grounds? You still okay with the person standing on religious grounds and getting them government's money and saying I'm being a religious person? Congress shall make no law respecting the establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. Now, that's not a scriptural principle, and we do live in a country having that. But a Baptist minister seeing the future made sure this was in your, con- your Bill of Rights. Because this is what we believe. This is what it means to have Baptists on your sign. The question is this, and I'm trying to phrase this as nicely as I can, because before I start foaming on the mouth on this subject, do we believe in religious freedom, or do we believe in religious freedom for me, but not for thee? Way too often we think of religious freedom for me, but not for thee. We spend all of our time worried about our rights, and we forget that the other people have the same rights. Anytime you deny another person's rights so you can get what you want, you're no better than the Pharisees. You're no better than the person with no religious values who does whatever they want. Now you may think, well, this seems hard. This seems difficult. You may feel like you get caught in some catch-22 situations. If you didn't study literature and know the catch-22, sorry, go look it up. You may feel that you are stuck making decisions for the good of the many and not for the one. You may feel or wish that you were Captain James T. Kirk so you could avoid the Kobayashi Maru. Just so we're clear, as is evidenced by eventually when all of my pop collection appears in my office, my Funko Pop collection, I have lots of Star Wars Funko Pops, Star Trek Funko Pops. I know all the different timelines and all the different ways that Captain Kirk got around the Kobayashi Maru. If you're unfamiliar with the Kobayashi Maru, it is the no-win scenario. I know how he gets around in the original timeline. I know how he gets around it in the Kelvin timeline. I know how he gets around in the Andromeda timeline. He cheats every time. Every single time. If you're unfamiliar with the Kobayashi Maru, the Kobayashi Maru is called the no-win scenario. It's to see, as Spock says, in an actual book in which they document what was said in all the books, which is just horrifying, Spock says this was to see how you deal with fear. Because people in charge, people with respect, need to know how they deal with fear and deal with situations that seem hopeless. Trying to have true religious freedom may seem like a Kobayashi Maru to you. That seems impossible. 
Guess what? It seems that way to me too, often. Which brings us to our text for the day, Matthew chapter 22. Starting at verse 15. This is where you need your Bible dictionary when you read your biblical text. It tells you a lot. Verse 15. Then the Pharisees, you can see I'm colorblind because I didn't cross-check that yellow, sorry. Then the Pharisees went and plotted together how they might trap him, meaning Jesus, in what he said. Because Jesus kept acting like a really good person. He was moral. He was caring. They could not find anything wrong with him morally. So they had to get him to say something wrong. Pharisees do this constantly in the Gospels. So okay, we're we're not surprised to see this. This is the plot twist that Matthew wants us to get. Verse 16. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. The Pharisees thought the Roman government was evil and awful and sinful and should burn in Gehenna. The Herodians, as implied by the name Herodians, if you remember the sermon about Herod the Great and Herodias, and yeah, uh, Herodians means they thought the line of Herod were the religious leaders and they should lead all of the people. They were in charge of the government and the religion. So now we have the Pharisees who think that the government should not do anything, because they're always right. And the Herodians who think the government is right and we should follow them blindly and misquote Romans 13 if they were in this context. Put them all together. Those are some strange bedfellows. That's like my usual analogy of Bernie Sanders. Sorry to pick on Bernie. I like Bernie. See, see Bernie driving along one day and all of a sudden you see him the next day wearing a red Make America Great hat. That would be amazing to you. That is what it means for the Pharisees and the Herodians to be together. They are mortal enemies. The text continues. It says, Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Translation, we can't seem to get you to do anything immoral. We can't seem to get you to do anything against the standards of our culture. Oh, you must be so wise. Let's let you string you along and you'll say something stupid and we'll call you out. Tell us then, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? The Jews hated the poll tax. They felt they were giving money that eventually went to a government and went to do things they didn't agree with. If you've ever felt the government was doing something immoral you didn't agree with, you agree with the Pharisees. The Herodians thought, well, you need to give money to the government and you need to do this. If Jesus answers this question with a yes, then all the Jewish people will never listen to another word he said. If he answers this with a no, he's going to be up for treason and we won't get a crucifixion because they'll just kill him on the spot. At the risk of mixing Star Trek and Star Wars, General Akbar would say, it's a trap. Because it is. It's a total 100% trap. But in a situation that seems like a no-win scenario, Jesus does not dodge the question, does not move away, does not become evasive, does not act immoral, shows incredible character and says these words. Oh, sorry, the text says, 
But Jesus perceived their malice and said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought it in the denaria, and he said to him, Whose likeness and inscription is on this? They said to him, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God. And hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. Kind of like Charlie Brown after he gives up a home run. Oh, man, that didn't work at all. And upon hearing this, they were amazed, and leaving him, they went away. Jesus answered the question with the correct answer. As a citizen of the government, do what the government asks you to do. And as a citizen of the kingdom of God, do what the kingdom of God asks you to do. But what if those conflict? Well, we would say, do what the kingdom of God says for you to do. But it doesn't conflict in giving your taxes. Sorry. But, but I shouldn't have to do these things. If you want to take the government's money for roads and things like that, then you're going to have to deal with the other parts. Sorry. We feel like we should be able to manipulate whatever we want, however we want, and we say it in God's name, and we act all powerful and mighty, and we misquote Romans 13, and we ignore all of it, and we say, you should just do what the government says, because that's the way it is. Brett Walker, one of the many speakers who speaks for the Baptist Joint Committee, which is an organization which American Baptists have been a part of from the beginning, that speaks in Congress, that speaks for the Supreme Court, and is well-respected because they always take the value of religious freedom. Brett Walker said, my rights are no stronger than your willingness to stand up for them. Your rights are no more secure than my courage to defend them. Well, that all sounds good, John, but I don't know what that looks like. Well, let me use my classic example. It's from World War II. It's attributed to many, many people. This I can verify. It was a Protestant minister in Germany who did say this. Which one? Sorry. But this is the famous quote. A German pastor who was in prison for many years by the Nazi regime, he says these words. He says, first they came for the communists. And I wasn't a communist, so I didn't speak out. Then they came for the socialists. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I didn't speak out because I wasn't a Jew. And then they came for me. And no one was left to speak out for my rights. But that sounds hard, John. That's why I always use this phrase that the Baptist Joint Committee uses often. Religious liberty for me, but not for thee. We spend all this time focused on what our rights are and what we should get. And I'm not saying you shouldn't speak up for these things. I would never deny you the right to do that. But let's just take a practical example I'm familiar with. Let's just say, because we've moved to the best place to have a religious building in all of Macomb, let's just say that around the corner a Hindu temple wants to open up. How are you going to feel about that? Religious freedom means you are supportive of that. What if next to that they want to open a Muslim, an Islamic mosque? If religious freedom is for you, then religious freedom is them and they get to open it up. 
but I don't like that. I do not care if you don't like that. Jesus would be appalled if you were against that. And I'll speak more on this next week when I unpack 1 Peter chapter 2. You need to remember this. Thomas Helwes died so everyone could have religious freedom. Is this statement true for you? My religious views are not as important as you. What's more important? The creation of God who you may disagree with or your religious views? If your answer is your religious views, you have a problem. People are always more important than your religious views. Now, as Amy Butler, Reverend Amy Butler would always point out to me, in no way does that deny your ability and your right to speak what you say and to speak what you believe. But we are called to love those who are all of God's creation. One of the things we're supposed to do in church, which is why circles are important, one of the things we're supposed to do in church is meet with people who we don't always agree with because you're supposed to practice love here. Because if you can't get it right here, you're not getting outside of this walls right. And I'm sure there are people in here who were appalled at different portions of the video that I showed to start the service. And you might disagree about those things. Guess what? That's okay. Because your religious values are not as important as, important as that person. Jesus was trying to get them to say that government has its place. Religion has its place. But people are the thing that is most important. Think about that person who you know, who disagrees with you on almost every issue of religion and politics. Trying to get too mad. But think of that person. Some of you, they may live in your house. That's okay, that's a different discussion. Have you ever considered how they got to the conclusion they reach? We call this a dissertation principle. Those of us who've suffered and tried to write dissertations, which are at least a 200-250 page document on original research and original items to your field, what would it be like if I wrote a 225 page dissertation about how Baptists in the South were similar to Baptists in the North and fundamentalism and modernism, and all you read was the last page. You'd have no idea how I got there, did you? We look at people reading their life and we only read the last page. We need to consider all of their lives, which leads to the last thing so that you have something to go with because. Religious freedom is not one of those ideas that makes us feel warm inside. If we're going to espouse religious freedom and we are never going to force faith on anyone because my religious views are not as important as you, then we have to choose to live lives that are above moral standard. We have to be compassionate we have to choose to be quiet. We want to scream at that, I want to use a different word, that less than intelligent person when they tell us what they believe, when we think they're totally mentally unstable. 
And we have to, above all things, show love and compassion no matter what. The reason the Pharisees and the Herodians can't get Jesus is because he never makes a moral failing. He never screws up. He never uses words inappropriately, even though you may think hypocrites and other things seem inappropriate. In that culture, it was fine. He spoke carefully, and he lived properly. You want to earn the right to communicate your faith to other people in a time of religious freedom so that they have a faith that will actually grow and build and become something of significance? You have to live right. You have to talk right. You have to act right. You have to be right. Well, that doesn't seem fair. I know. I know. I don't really think it's fair either, but I didn't make the rules. You want to see faith in other people, in family members that you love? You can't make them do anything. But you can give them the freedom to figure this out. And while you're doing that, you need to be the best examples, just like Jesus was. Because they don't like Jesus' answer, but because of his moral standing, they can't say anything. I know, it's hard. And there are lots of things in my life that I have done that I wish I could have done better. There are lots of times in which someone literally shot next to me that I wish I had said the right thing and acted the right way and communicated the right way instead of acting like a moron like I did. I didn't say it was easy. And if it feels like a Kobayashi Maru, welcome to religious freedom. But when we get it right, the world changes. That's how Christianity grew originally. That's how faith grows in cultures in which they show religious freedom, even to a government that tries to kill them. Please try to remember that as we live in a time that is so difficult to keep ourselves under control. Let's pray. Holy God, I feel, as usual, utterly inadequate to try to communicate this and completely hypocritical. I can think of people I can think of people who literally have died in the last few decades because they stood up for people of other faiths and they said they had the right to worship the way they chose and not the way the government told them. Forgive me for the times where I have just been frustrated and thrown up my hands and wish that everybody would just be right like me. Forgive me the times that I've acted so poorly and then inspected people to behave properly. Forgive us all for how we forget that you are the Almighty and you are the All-Powerful and that you came to give us freedom so that we were free at last. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.